Welcome, welcome everyone again to the Real Estate Guru PK podcast. My name is Josh. This is Mario, and we are sitting next to Louisiana's real estate queen, from what I've been told. Uh, her name is Terrica Lynn Smith. And uh, so, Terrica, welcome to the show. Thank you. First and Thank foremost. Yep. Thanks to Mario. Mario got you in town to uh, to sit down for, with us for a little bit. We're going to dig, uh, jump straight into what uh, Terrica does. And uh, we're going to, she said, everything is, uh, nothing's off limits. We're going to ask her all kinds of questions. And hopefully, um, you learn something and uh, we all walk away from the show with uh, some more knowledge. Um, so first, I think it's important to tell everybody your name again and where they can find you. Yeah. And then we'll just start bombing you with questions. So, hey, guys, I'm Terrica Lynn Smith. You can find me um, on all social media platforms as Terrica Lynn Smith. My Insta is female real estate guru. Um, but you can also type in Terrica Lynn Smith. I'm easy to find. Um so yeah. So we had a joke earlier when we first started before we started uh, recording, and uh, you can you can Google Terrica Lynn Smith and she pops up. <laughs> so if you want to Google her, Google me is what she said. <clears throat> but um, so Terrica, tell everybody what you do. I'm a real estate developer. You know, I started off um, as a real estate agent, and then shortly after becoming an agent, I was like you know, I want to become a broker in real estate. And then, you know, I became a broker. Wasn't easy. I failed the real estate exam seven times. I wanted to quit. But after that, you know, um, I was like, you know, I need to find my niche. And my niche in real estate was working with investors. And so I started representing a lot of investors. And then I started noticing that they are making like a lot of money, you know, flipping properties and doing different type of things like that. So I'm like, yo, like, how can I get involved in something like this? I didn't have the credit. I didn't have money. Like, I was from New Orleans, you know, right after Hurricane Katrina, very wet behind my ears. Nobody never really talked that real estate talk growing up. So, you know, um, i.e. why I had a hard time passing the real estate exam because I just, I mean, I didn't know real estate mm -hmm. terminology, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just kept paying attention, paying attention. And then one day at the closing, the real estate attorney handed me my closing folder that was supposed to be my commission check, but it wasn't my commission check. It was for the investor. I'm like, yo, this dude made five figures. He ain't even do nothing. And I'm like, I picked out the paint colors. I made sure that the sockets on the wall match. I'm, I did the flooring. I, I showed up every day, you know, making sure that the project was moving. And I mean, you know, they hand me my folder and I'm like, I'm not ungrateful, but I'm like, yo, I made peanuts compared to what mm -hmm. this dude just made, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know what, what I'm going to do is I'm not doing this no more. Like, I'm not going to work for a 3% commission because they're just going to keep me there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, um, I called all my investors and I was like, hey, you know, you guys have been great, you know, to me over the years, but I'm not like just going to keep doing all y'all projects and making 3% commission mm -hmm. as a realtor. I'm doing more than a realtor job. Mm -hmm. So all my investors left me except one. And that one investor stayed with me. Um, that's when I made my first five figure check. And then, you know, from there, I started making six figures and, you know, so forth. But it took me to make a stand for myself to say, yo, I'm not going to be working for peanuts no more. You're going to pay me what I'm worth. And or you can just do the project yourself and then I'll put it on the market for you. Mm -hmm. You know, but I'm not about to do two jobs in one. Sure. How, how did how did it come about to, to get to that point? Uh, and let me let me uh, explain that question. Normally, a real estate agent, which which we were at the time, doesn't do any of that. 
right? They yeah. either list your property uh, or, or, uh, or, or sell your property. Yeah. So how did it come to the point where you were doing all these things for your client? Right. Um, you know, to the, come to the point where you're like, Hey, wait a minute, I, I did X, Y, Z. Cause typically I'm not asking my real estate agent to do all the stuff. So how did it come to that? Did, was it a mutual thing? Did they ask time, you? Right. So a lot of investors don't have time. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's how a lot of investors get haircuts in real estate because they like, yo, I want to get in here. I want to flip this. But they don't got the time to check on their property. They check. Mm -hmm. They like trusting other people, you know, to make sure people are doing right or whatever the case may be. So I'm like when I first started, I was like, you know, um, oh, that'll be a cute color. And oh, you should do like a black matte ceiling fan fixture here. Oh, we should open up this wall. And, you know, just like giving all of these different type of ideas and things like that. And so eventually, you know, it was like like, oh, T, what you think about this? And, mm -hmm. you know, my ideas start becoming more and more dominant. And it mm -hmm. got to the point where I'll, I get to the project, I see people not working. I'm like, yo, y'all need to work. I need to put this property on the market. What y'all doing? <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I'm like aggressive because I want you to want sell. Your yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. And while they sitting down chilling, I'm not getting paid. I get paid off commission. Mm -hmm. And so investors appreciated that until I asked for a check. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So when they asked for a check, like, Yo, who you think you was? Your I mean, I would think that they would they would hire you. I I thought the same thing, but they didn't. So, like I said, I lost everybody but one. I rebuilt my investor portfolio with that one investor, and he started telling people what I was doing for him. And you know, um, I like to say this, right? Rich people know rich people, poor people know poor people. It's just the way it is, right? That's true. And so. He go tell one of his rich buddies, like, yo, I just made 20, 30%. I ain't have to do nothing. You know, they like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. Any investor here, 20 to 30% return, they like, connect me now. Mm, sign me up. Yeah. yeah. And so that's kind of like how I start building it. Okay. Um, when, when, when was your very first investment uh, deal that you did on your own or with help, however you want to do it? When was the first one you ever did? Yeah, I remember that one. All right, so let me tell you this, right? Again, I didn't have a lot of money, right? Okay, so, um, but I wanted to do this. Like, I wanted it so bad. And so I got my tax return. Me and my husband's tax return, it was $5,000. It was everything to me, okay? Mm -hmm. When I tell you I had 10 payday loans, I, I mean, I was in debt to my eyeballs. I was struggling. My lights was due for disconnection. I had $5,000, and I had a choice. What year was this? Uh, 2012. Okay, keep going. Hold on, what, what, what was your... He was working like he was working two and three jobs, but I didn't have financial literacy. So everything we make, we would spend. We were consumers. Right. Oh. I didn't learn. That's why I'm so passionate about being a producer now yeah, that yeah. everything I do is an investment and or I'm just, you know, I'm a consumer. And, and you I don't know, you know, I had like two, three kids. Already yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I so didn't, I, I, didn't, I, I was trying to set a, a time, uh, a timeline. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm going to mean to cut you. I'm so oh, no, sorry. No, no, no. You Go good. Ahead. So um, during that time, so I had $5,000. It was everything to me. Okay. Everything to my husband. I'm like, baby, I have to find something with this money. And he was like, but we need to do this. And I'm like, I know. He was like, well, if you, if you, if you think we can do it, then let's do it. And, you know, I'll figure out what I need to figure out on the financial side or whatever the case may be. Well, he was encouraging you the whole time. Oh, yes. My husband is my anchor. I, I mean, I wouldn't be where I met without that man. That's why I retired him three years ago. He's everything to me. And so um, 
So what's funny was, I'm like, all right, I got the $5,000. I just got a real estate closing, so I got an extra $3,000. So I'm balling. Mm-hmm. I got $8,000. Mm-hmm. Now I need to find a property. Well, one of my friends that was a wholesaler had called me and was like, yo, T, I got a property. It's like $9,000. I'm like, man. That's, you know, like, you know, that's like not too far from what we got, yeah. you know? And so um, I get to the problem, like, dude, it'll take all of my money and then I wouldn't have nothing to fix it up, mm-hmm. you know? So I was like, you know, look, I give $5,000. He was like, all right. So he sat on it for a few weeks and then it's like, all right, I'm going to take the $5,000. For a so whole, a whole property. For a whole property. Right. Three bedrooms, one bath, the <laughs> ugliest house on the block, right? Okay. Anytime anybody hear me speak, I say, who say it got to be pretty? Yeah. I'm just saying. Where was it at? Lafayette. Oh, for real? So it wasn't in New Orleans? No. Oh, no, you can't even buy a room. Are there any more of those $5,000 properties? (laughs) Are there any more of those $5,000 properties? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They may have eight wheels up under them, but they got some out there. (laughs) Um, But, you know, so we got the property for $5,000, and everybody was like, yo, how you made $3,000 work? When you got to bootstrap something... Mm-hmm. And you don't have no more options. You don't got no other streams. You don't got nobody coming to give you a dollar. You're going to make $3,000 work. So you mm-hmm. know what me and my husband did? We worked from sunup to sundown. We was about to get a divorce because I was like, I can't stand you. You make me sick. Like mm-hmm. we would fuss and argue in this house all day and all night because we were so tired. So t- yeah. Right. Yep. And um, I mean, we went to the Dollar General. Um, we bought their peel and stick towel flooring. Um, we, like we couldn't afford much, right? Mm-hmm. So who knew Dollar General sell flooring? They still sell flooring to this day. Wow, well, I didn't know I, that. Yeah. So, uh, I, but we knew that because we was when we was in New Orleans before Hurricane Katrina, before we went to Lafayette, we were trying to redo the apartment we was in, and I was like, let's let's put this down or whatever. So, um, oh, like, um, can you give me detail, like like the mosaic three D? Yeah. So it was. Yeah. Oh no, it was like that. Um, that ugly wood fake wood looking color square like it was not like it it had like a a 3d print right like a a parquet like a fake parquet wood floor yeah 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 and (laughs) yeah and so we had all that down i mean we went to home depot we said you know can you give me the oops paint now mind you i've been working with investors so i kind of know the terminology right so they was like yeah so i mean we got the oops paint we had a pink room we had a blue room then we had a neutral room right Mm -hmm. like you don't get many options with oops paint Mm -hmm. Whatever's there, whatever oops they made. That's it. Yeah. So then we had to do plumbing. I'm like, yo, we don't even know how to do plumbing. My husband's like, I'm a YouTuber. So then he started looking on YouTube how to, you know, do so plumbing. What, what year is this? 2012. So they had that on YouTube? Yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So he's looking to see like how people talking about plumbing and stuff like that. So we was able to get the plumbing going. Everything we did, we bootstrapped. So we made that $3,000 work, right? So when people say, oh, I don't got money to invest. You just have other things that's more important that you invest in. Like we all investors, right? But majority of the people don't get a return for the investment. And so that's how um, I did my first property. So $8,000 was all into it. I went to my bank. I said, Carrie, look, I done sent you a lot of investors. You know, I got horrible credit, but I'm a good person. Mm -hmm. If you give me a chance, you know what I'm saying? Then, you know, I'll be grateful. And it's like, say no more, say no more. He um, gave me my first deal. Um, he took that property that I had for $8,000. Um, it appraised for 60 after wow. we finished everything. <laughs> so um, they gave me $48,000 off that house. And with that $48,000, I went and bought multiple doors. And then I started building my portfolio like that. So what did he give you, like a line of credit on it or something? Yeah, $48,000. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. 
And you were like, man, I'm hitting his, his streets running. Yeah. And so some say a line of credit. I just want to say the correct terminology HELOC. for me. Uh-uh, oh, no. no, not a HELOC because it wasn't my primary residence. He gave me, gotcha. he pledged it, meaning that the bank said, okay, we'll take this property from you. We ain't going to charge you nothing on it, mm-hmm. but we'll give you $48,000 of it, right? So they just held my title for the 48000 Like collateral. Yeah, like yeah. collateral. And then I never had the full 48000 like a line of credit, but the bank had it, if that makes sense, right? Like yeah. I can, if I found something within those guidelines, then they would be able to go ahead and they, give it they to would me. Give you kind of like a draw towards it yeah. or something? Okay. Mm-hmm. Can you That's tell- a hometown bank. Mm-hmm. Is it a small bank? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a hometown bank. Yeah. That's a, mm-hmm. that's lovely. Yeah, Gulf Coast Bank. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can you, can you tell everybody uh like what's the date and time and why why did you start working for Pooh? Like that first. You talking about when I was talking about um on the other one? Um, yeah. yeah. So I had like the thing was whenever I was trying to find my niche, right? It was such a saturated market, right? So many people competing and, you know, trying to get people's attention. Like, you know, realtors were talking to um, all the for sale by owners. So by the time I called them, they'd be like, yo, we already talked to Wutudu. And then, you know, it was like, man, this is frustrating. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I got to find something that's going to be beneficial to me. Separate yourself from everybody. Right. So I went and I I literally, I literally went to gas stations. I went to, I went all over looking for investors. Like investors didn't come easy to me. And then one time I was in a gas station and a lady got upset over something and she wanted to speak to the owner. She didn't say the manager. She had said the owner. And I was like, wait, the owner. So then he came out and he was like, yeah, I'm the owner or whatever. And he helped with the situation. And then I started talking to him and he was like, so what make, why would I want to deal with you or whatever? I said, mm-hmm. cause number one, I'll work for free. Mm-hmm. Number two, I got time, right? Your little curly hair realtor that's at the other <laughs> real estate firm. She busy. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? She been doing this for a decade. She, she a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. You need somebody that's young, that got energy, that's motivated. I'm hungry. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And so he he respected that, but you you was like cleaning the houses out too, right? Yeah, I, I mean, everything. there's 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 not much I haven't did, Mario, in being becoming successful. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, well, I ain't selling my body. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But <laughs> let me just be clear about yeah. that. I don't know about the thing in that, right? But when it came down to hard work, you know, I put my hair in a ponytail and I did what I had to do, ten toes flat. Mm. So um. So like, can you can you like backtrack or like, like, growing up in school and then like, yeah, and then the you know the mm-hmm. foster care and then you know become a homeless and all that. Yeah. So what I'll say is this, right? I didn't have like an easy start in life. Like people look at me now. Um, I do all these interviews. I do all these podcasts, and they're like, you know, people are so far away, you know, um, with their success that they can't, you know really be touched or it's not reality or whatever the case may be. But I'll say this at the age of five years old, my mother sold me to her drug dealer. I was sexually abused at five years old and that made me put up walls. You know, that made me hate people. It made me grow up very angry. It made me not even trust people. And, you know, that made it extremely hard for me as a child because people would think that I was a problem child. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't a problem child. I was a hurt child, right? You reacted to. Right. So I would react, meaning I wanted other people to hurt like I was hurting, right? Mm -hmm. 
And so one time my mother had left us in the house one time. It was like three days. It was me, my baby sister, and my oldest sister. And my older sister um, that has passed away now, she was swallowing a penny and bringing it back up. She was trying to entertain us because we've been in the house for three days. We don't got no power. We don't got no water. You know what I'm saying? Like we hungry. And, um, and she's trying to entertain us to keep us focused from, you know, knowing what's really going yeah, on. Yeah. And then my baby sister started crying. Like she's hungry. Like the hunger pains are um setting in. And so I remember my mother saying, don't you dare open that door. Don't you dare go outside. I'm like, at this time, at five years old, I knew if I did not open up that door and go find us something to eat, we would starve, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so I opened up the door, the sun hit me in my face, and I ran as fast as I could. My heart was beating uncontrollably out of my chest. Like, I just knew I was going to get caught. And I grabbed the first thing I seen. I grabbed two hands full of grass, and I ran back inside. And my baby sister was like, I am not eating grass. <laughs> and I'm like, well, if we don't eat this grass, then we could possibly die of starvation, you know? And so yeah. that night we ate um, grass. And then shortly after that, you know, we ended up in foster care. We all got separated. Um, and then, you know, just going through foster care by this point in time, couldn't nobody tell me nothing. My mother sold my innocence at five years old. I'm a grown woman now. Mm. Like you get what I'm saying? Eight years old, I'm grown. You can't tell me nothing. You can't, what is punishment? What is time out? Like, what is that? Right. You, That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like yeah. you can't tell me anything now at this point in time yeah. in my life. And so I would constantly run away um, just so I um, so I didn't have to deal with anything. And in foster care, they will always tell you, you know, you don't want to end up a statistic. And you'd mm. be like, well, what is a statistic? Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so they'd be like, you're pregnant by the time you're 16. You dropped out of school and you own drugs or either prostituting. Mm -hmm. I'm like. Well, I don't want to be that, right? Well, what I didn't realize was that all of my actions that I was doing, because the truth of the matter is, and this helped me as an adult to acknowledge that what my mother did to me was wrong, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But as an adult, the things I was doing to myself was even wronger. So I allowed the ugly in somebody to come into my adult life, which was starting to set me back. So by the time I was 15 years old, I already had my first miscarriage, you know, um, on my foster parents' bathroom floor, you know, trying not to scream because they don't allow pregnant girls in their home. And mm -hmm. I didn't want to go back to a group home. So I'm trying to endure this pain. Um, and a lot of people that read my book know my story like this or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, by the time I'm 16 now, you know, I'm traveling the world, selling magazines. I lied about my age because I'm like, I just need to get away, mm -hmm. you know. And so I'm going door to door selling magazines and I end up getting pregnant at 16 years old. And um, I was like, I got to get off the road now. Right. So mm -hmm. I um, had my son. Went back to the city of New Orleans, and I was supposed to be staying with a girlfriend, but her people was tripping. So me and Tyreek had to sleep up under the Claiborne Bridge. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was like my aha moment in life. Like people be like, yo, what was like, like, who was your biggest mentor in life? I'm not, I always say it's not who, it's what, mm -hmm. right? Homelessness was my biggest mentor. Mm -hmm. Living up under that bridge with my son and holding him. And you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And just feeling like a failure, like every tear that fell down my face was represented something personal to me. Like, mm -hmm. you know, um, I, I, I had tears of anger, tears of failure. I was inadequate. I was weak, you know, just mm -hmm. all of these different things. And then the thing that bothered me the most was that I see my mother in myself. Mm -hmm. 
Like I seen myself becoming her, meaning that if I didn't change something in my life, my son was going to end up in a foster care system. He was going to end up as a statistic like I was. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't want that to happen. And so I made him a promise under that bridge. I said, as long as I have air in my lungs, you'll never experience homelessness again. You would never know what it's like to be hungry. Mm -hmm. You'll never know what it's like to feel poor. You'll never know this feeling again. I promise you that, you know, and I'm saying this, I'm crying. I got snot boogers and tears on my face right mm -hmm. i'm a teenager but mm -hmm. i want to be a better mom you're to 16 him. Yeah. yeah you know well 17, 17 by then yeah. yeah but i wanted to be a better mom to him and so um you know getting through that situation um wasn't easy right people be like so yo how you went from like being homeless up under the bridge to you know female real estate guru like mm -hmm. it didn't happen with a snap of a finger right mm -hmm. i had to do you know like for instance you know um i spent all night on the payphone calling um classified ads trying to see if somebody would just let me stay in a place until I get some money, you know? Mm -hmm. And there was one man who said yes. And um, I told him, I said, I'll sell my food stamps when they come and I'll give you the money, whatever it is, mm -hmm. just to be able to put a roof over my son's head. And he was like, nah, you're not going to sell your food stamps to me. I'm going to help you. And so that was my first hand up in life, you know? And then from there, you know, I just started keeping my promise to my son. I kept going and going and going mm -hmm. and going and going. And I didn't allow nobody to stop me. And by this time, you know, um, people hear me say this in interviews a lot. I'm street strong. Mm -hmm. That means I done been through hell and back. Can't nothing and or nobody break me. There's nothing I haven't seen done. There's not a lie I haven't heard. There's not a pain I haven't felt, mm -hmm. right? So I think I'm built for whatever adversity comes ahead of me. And so um, I think the most embarrassing part for me being homeless was that I was homeless, but I had a pair of Jordans on my feet and my son had a pair of J's on his feet, mm -hmm. but we homeless. Yep. And so, you know, I, I was just telling Mario and his wife in the car, like, I'm not a flashy person no more. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, if you ever read the book, The Millionaire Next Door, that's me. Uh, yeah. Right. Like, I'm not the person who needs to land in a private jet and bring a Rolls Royce or a Bentley or anything like that. And I'm not saying there's wrong for anybody like that. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. at my lowest moment, I realized I had somebody else's legacy on me. I realized I was somebody else's billboard at that moment and I couldn't do anything as a mother mm -hmm. for the, the person who I'm supposed to take care of the most. And so that was life changing for me. I never wanted to ever do that. And from that day forward, I have not bought any of my children Jordans. Now they'll call aunties and all these other people and be like, yo, can you give me these? My mom don't buy these. I nope. Don't buy, I don't buy them. Either. Mm -mm. Nope. You yep. get a, a regular pair of shoes and you know what my children's school budget is <laughs> still to this day? $40, yep. $40. Now my children are hustlers. <laughs> so they babysit, they go do whatever and they wear nice clothes yeah. and shoes and things like that. But it's not at the hand of me, mm -hmm. right? It's at the hand of them. So mm -hmm. if that's what you want to invest into, that's fine. But I'm not investing into that. I'm going to invest into your trust. <laughs> How about that? Yep. So when I'm gone, you have something beyond mm -hmm. those old pair of shoes you've been wearing. Yep. So this, this, uh, what, if my math is right, this is like 2001. When? When when you were homeless, 1999, 2000? No, I, I, no, I was homeless in 2004. 2004, okay, yeah. all right. So that's not that long ago. Yeah. Right? It's well, less than 20 years ago. Yeah, less. So you're yeah. supposed to be like a senior in high school, right? 
Yeah, he's yeah. a senior. Mm-hmm. No, no, you yeah. you supposed to be a senior in high school in 2004. Yeah, so what happened was, that's funny that you talk about that because nobody never asked me, so how did you go back to school and how did you finish or whatever? Well, being in foster care and them having a program to help you back on the road, I was able to go back after I had my son and in the midst of me getting pregnant with my other daughter at mm-hmm. 19 and be able to go and graduate. You got your, your GED or your, or your I got my diploma. Oh, for real? Mm-hmm. Oh, that is dope. So let, let's put that in perspective, though. Uh, 2005 was Hurricane Katrina. Yes. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not easy times. No. Because you moved then, right? Um, In August of 2005, yes. Was it after Hurricane Katrina? Right? No, August 2005 was Hurricane Katrina. No, no. So you, and you moved subsequent of that? Yes, correct. So that's what I'm saying. These are not hard. These are not easy times for you. No, but at this point, nothing was easy. So it just yeah. seemed like life. Just like yeah, this so, part of going with the flow. Yeah, like what's yeah. next? So from, yeah. so when Katrina happened, you went from New Orleans to Lafayette. Mm-hmm. Okay, you and didn't want to come to Houston. Nah, nah. Well, let me just say this, right? I've forgiven <laughs> the the state of Texas and the city of Houston, but Houston did not want refugees here. During that time. And they made it very clear. And in fact, the governor said, we do not want New Orleans people here. Yeah. Yep. I remember that. Yeah. I remember like it was too. yesterday. Yeah. yeah. But I, mean, I have forgiven. Things change. I mean, there was a lot of stuff in Houston that changed yeah. at that moment. Yeah. And, and, and it was apparent that it was, you know, because of, of people that were coming over. But mm-hmm. yeah, they, they said know. like the crime went up when y'all came down here. <laughs> I'm sure it did. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I mean, but think, I mean, you're, you're the city of New Orleans, you know, historically, you know, it's, it is what it is. And so it was like the murder capital back then. It was. Yeah, yeah actually, it was. Yeah. It was. It's Chicago. Now, imagine all the Chicago people coming to Houston. It's the same type of scenario. But yeah. I'm not, I just don't get what they think, why they think Houston's so innocent. Like, you know what I mean? like, no, 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 like, no, 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 They just saw that. Got the, some out here. No, we do. They just saw that the crime rate yeah. went up and they just started panicking. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so then going forward, like 2005, you're in Lafayette at some point. Um, the gap between 05 and then when you first, like when we first started your, your, your journey as a real estate agent, mm-hmm. where did, how did that process go? I got my license in 2006. So you didn't play no games. No. So 2006, you're how old? Um, uh, 20, no? I don't know. Like tw- yeah. yeah, 20. About 20. I was born in 1985, so yeah. however old that was at that time. She's like 20. Yeah. 21, yeah. So you got your real estate By license. By then I had two kids for sure, though. That's what I do know. Mm-hmm. Ask me how many kids I have. I can kind of keep up with history. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and at some point you got married. Mm-hmm. Where, where did you meet your husband at? He from New Orleans. But where did y'all meet at, though? Oh, funny story. I'll make it very quick. Okay, so during the time that I had just had my daughter, um, this was right before Hurricane Katrina. And again, I couldn't keep the place we were living at or whatever. And so um, I had to go and live with um, a friend. Her name was um, Nancy. And during this time, Nancy was talking to my best friend, which his name was Al. Now, me and Al have never been with each other or anything like that, right? He just was somebody who always looked out for me since high school. And so she was, like, being super, super helpful because she didn't want me to go by his house. So we ended up going by her mom's house, me, Atea, which I had just had her like two weeks before I met Albert, and then my son, Tyreek, who was 11 months at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, and so she 
did everything possible to keep me away from my best friend, Al. So she ended up calling me. She's like, hey, there's a guy I want to introduce you to. I'm like, I just had a baby. I, you know, I'm not really trying to meet nobody, whatever. And he was like, she was like, no, you're going to like him. She was like, I think he used to be on crack, but he recovered. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Now, mind you, right? Like. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, if he's recovered. Yeah, let's give him time to recover. You know? <laughs> <laughs> let's give him more time. Look, I didn't have, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't have, like, a, I ain't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I laugh now when yeah. I when I think about what I said to her. But um, anyway, so I was like, all right, cool. So um, I called him. He wasn't home. He had called me back or whatever. And then we had met up. And um, he was trying to, he always say this word. I don't like this word, but this is his exact words. He's like, man, I was just trying to smash her. I'm like, what? <laughs> so um, he was like, you He's know, honest. so he he thought it was like a group effort whenever she introduced me to him. But it was, mm. wasn't that. She was really feeling my best friend and she needed me out the picture. Oh, okay. So she introduced me to Albert, which is my husband. And um, I mean, we just hit it off. I mean, he... Um, he stepped up to be a father to my two kids. He adopted wow. them, gave them his last name, um, been in their life ever since, you know, my daughter was two weeks. My son was 11 months old and, um, rest is history. You know I mean? So the, the, the best friend was Al <laughs> mm -hmm. and then you got Albert. Yeah. Right. And we call him Al too. Really? So that's why I be, you know, <laughs> you I have to, yeah. Distinguish the two. Yeah. yeah I have to. And so she ended up not with my best friend, Al. Yeah. And me and Al 17 years later is still here. Cool, Where would y'all cool. go on your first date? Piccadilly. Oh, for real? Look, I'm easy. <laughs> I was like, just yeah. trying to smash. Look, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do they have? Do they still have those in Houston? Piccadilly? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I, no, I don't see them done, anymore. Yeah. Look, I'm telling you, I ain't know Al was a difficult man until you put too many options in front of his face. He very simple. You know, you you cook four items, he'll eat all four items. You give him 30 items, he like, well, I don't, I don't do I? Don't. Mm -hmm. So he he took like 30 minutes in a Piccadilly line. I was like, oh yeah, he gonna be a challenge. Do you do you do you? Is your mother still around? No, yeah. Yeah, she's still around. Um, I don't really like you know socialize with her. Yeah, like there's not like a real relationship with us. She's um a she has that victim mindset. You know, mm -hmm. where like her mother did the same thing to her. Her yeah. mother wasn't a I guess a very great mother to her. Mm -hmm. She she and got a so, Yeah, so she don't believe she did anything wrong to her children. Yeah. I got my own opinion on that. Um <laughs> but um do, do you do you need her to own up to what she did for y'all to move on or it doesn't matter? No, no. Um if I if I needed that, I wouldn't be sitting here right now, right? Mm -hmm. So um for me, I just chose to forgive her and to move forward with my life. Like there's nothing she can do and or say to hurt me or or destroy me anymore. Like mm -hmm. she don't have that power, she don't have that authority in my life at all. Is there is there anybody that you like resent like like you like like you just like like is there any grudges that you have held like towards to my mother? No, like just anybody like on on your way up. So, I mean, I have enough to remember as it is. So yeah, I like, yeah. I don't have time to be like, I think when you hold grudges and you hold resentment, like that takes up a part of your brain that 
can be used for something else. And I don't allow nobody to have that type of territory inside my head. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to play inside my head. Like it's a playground and you can just go up and down a slide as much as you want. So, you know, I'm quick to cut somebody off. Like if I see somebody shady, then I'm like, you know, yo, I'm out. You mm-hmm. know, if people got like wrong intentions of motives, they unethical, you know, people do things just for a dollar. Like I don't have those people in my circle. Mm-hmm. Like we gotta, we gotta have some type of standards and values. And so for me, I don't have resentment towards anybody. Now, people may have resentment towards me because I don't care, mm-hmm. right? Like, if I offend you and you don't come tell me, I mean, ain't nothing I can do. So it's it's safe to say you're battle-tested? Uh, I mean, you yeah. know, I'm always willing to put on some armor, <laughs> especially no, as a developer. You got to yeah. have some armor on. So um, that is an interesting, interesting backstory. And, yeah. and the average person doesn't go through something like that. But at the same time, there are a lot of people in that situation. Um, sometimes people can't see their way out of situations. Uh, imagine if you had, you know, a phone with YouTube on it, you know, even when you were homeless, because, mm-hmm. you know, anybody has a phone now. Mm-hmm. And you heard a podcast similar to this of somebody in the same scenario, and you're in that scenario. So the to me, the takeaway is there is always a way out. Mm-hmm. You just got to crawl and fight your way there. You got to have enough inside of you to get out of it. Um, the, hold on. Go ahead. Does your uh, does any does any of your kids remember being homeless? No. So me and my son. So just my son was homeless, not my daughter. Okay. So um, but my son, like I've taken him to the Claiborne Bridge in New Orleans. We walked around. We I showed him all the homeless people that was there. You know, showed him where we slept at. You know, um, but I mean, he knows the story. You know what I'm saying? Story. Yeah. Cool. His Instagram name is Claiborne. Oh, for real? That's cool. It's it's inspiring. It is very inspiring. I like that, though. Um, So fast forward now. (laughs) You're this real estate female real estate guru. And I got the male real estate guru over here. Yeah, you know. So um, we were chit-chatting, and you are a developer of real estate, Mm -hmm. which means you take plot excuse me if I'm wrong I could be I could be ignorant here but you take plots of land develop streets in them put street signs up yeah. name the street signs after your, yeah. your kids put homes in there yeah build the homes yeah put mixed use buildings in there apartment yeah. complexes whatever it can go and you do all of that or your group does mm-hmm. all of that yes we do it all I'm blowed it's not mm-hmm. everybody does all of that normally yeah. There, normally, there's a developer who develops a land, sells them, you know, to a home builder. Yeah. The home builder builds the homes. Mm-hmm. Do you still hold your real estate license? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, I have 23 agents throughout the state of Louisiana. Cool. So, like, you, you, you got like a set of contractors, or you got like, like, how do you? We have our own team. You got your own team, yeah. and then like, how do you go about the permits? Because that's like, I, I really don't like dealing with permits. Right. So, um, why? I just, okay, like. My first permit was, I got it. It was a it was an electricity permit. It was with it was with his cousin, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, why it's got to be my cousin? <laughs> I mean that's that's how it was. All Mexicans looking like huh? Oh, <laughs> call me my cousin. It's inside joke. So like oh, um, <laughs> I'm there. He's there. His cousin's there. He, he you know he he walks his the the uh, I'm there. Yeah, you're there. I don't remember this. Go ahead. So he he walks the. He walks the the guy to the breaker box, and then the guy, you know, puts the green sticker right, and then he, I'm like, all right, cool, we got the permit. Mm-hmm. Then he walks to the front of the house. I had 
some plumbers that we told to leave, mm-hmm. they stayed. And he's like, man, you're going to need permits for all this. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to need, I need to know what's in these walls. To make a long story short, I had to get two more permits for the inside, mm-hmm. and it pushed my project back. Like I want to say, like two weeks. Yeah. I mean, which wasn't a big deal, but I'm tr- like at that time I had you know I had some money, so I'm trying to just yeah. hop from one house to one. I'm just you know just trying to keep, and he just pushed it back a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. So what I say is this: I love <clears throat> permits, right? Um, permits keep me from getting sued, especially mm-hmm. when you do a lot of volume, right? Okay. Um, and the thing with permits is. You know, someone is at fault, right? The city got all their ridiculous rules and all these loops that they want you to jump through. But at the end of the day, when you look at it, it's for your protection. You know, um, they like they trying to protect a house fire from happening if wiring is old and, you know, busted up or whatever. And, you know, um, I have a friend now that's dealing with a situation where her apartment complex caught a fire and a child died, an eight-year-old child died, right? And so, um, again, you know, not to say her building wasn't coded or anything like you know it was good but at the end of the day you know I like the extra protection but I'm also the person who's not hard to sell insurance to right I got too much of it Mm -hmm. um I just believe in that type of protection um but in regards to permits it's not hard for us to get permits um the hardest part as a real estate developer is getting through the planning part right so you got planning and zoning and Mm -hmm. for me those are the headaches because you know um dealing with you know the traffic laws and you know dealing with the amount of homes you want to put versus what they saying and if they change the udc you know then you got to you know, you got to be up to game on that. And, mm-hmm. you know, the street curbs got to be a certain height. They got to be handicap accessible. And if they change the width on that, you like you just, yeah. you know, it's a lot that you have to be informed about and make sure you stay involved. And, in, you know, um, one of the ways to make permitting easy is by getting involved with the city. The city loves whenever you come and hang out with them, you just talk with them, you know, you buy them lunch or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be like, they like that kind of stuff, but not just that, you know, shaking hands with the right people. People, like you know I can call like I can call the mayors I can call my city council members I can mm-hmm. call whoever I need to get whatever mm-hmm. I need done and if I'm <clears> having a hard time with a permit like you would like what you were having then mm-hmm. you know it's important to have friends in high places mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um to be able to say okay this is t this why we need to do this and are you know what t let me talk with that inspector and yeah, see let what's me, really let me going get on boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah you know well i don't like they boys i don't do that i don't like i'm so by the book because the moment no no, no what i'm saying is sometimes they might They'll make something yeah. hard for yeah, no reason. That's right. And, and they'll to tell you, way. too. They'll yeah. be like, yo, you got that difficult inspector, yeah. right? Yeah. But they got some people who you can pay up under the table, yeah. and they'll give you a permit. Yeah. I don't like you your don't boys those like that. Yeah, yeah they okay. they make me nervous. <laughs> you know? Um, that's called... <laughs> Getting when, caught up. Yeah, when you got yeah. millions of dollars at play, you're not trying to get... No. You're not trying to get shut down for something that, that no. simple, you know? Um, But the planning and zoning process, I think for me, is more of a headache because, you know, you have this beautiful vision of how you see a community. You know, um, for me, I like work, sleep, eat and play type communities, right? Smart growth communities where everybody co-mingle with everybody, you know, Mm -hmm. bringing kids back outside and from in front of gadgets and things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like all of that is important to me, Mm -hmm. Um, along with gadgets. That's important as well. But to be able to get them to. see what the grass feel like mm-hmm. you know kids don't even mm-hmm. know that no more like you know what no. i'm saying they don't know what it feel like to get you know um brush burns on your knees and stuff like that and so for me when i think of communities 
I invest into underserved communities that people would never put a dollar into. And so um, one of the greatest things that um, President Donald Trump did, whether people agree or not, right, is he created opportunity zones. Now, the poor was like, oh, that's just a vehicle for the rich. Nah, you you, you whack, mm -hmm. right? No, that that's a vehicle to change your community. Mm -hmm. That's a vehicle to get the drug dealers out your community. That's mm -hmm. a vehicle for developers like myself to come in and buy everything and say, get out. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? When you own everything, mm -hmm. you in control. That's that ownership. You tell them what, what they're doing and what they're not doing. You see somebody on your block and you're like, yo, what you doing? You selling drugs? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not afraid of no drug dealer. Mm -hmm. Like, you get what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, the person who owns the most has the most to say. Right. You get what I'm saying? And, you know, a drug dealer, yeah, they powerful. They got guns or whatever. But I tell you one thing, they're not about to go up against the mayor and all the other key players in the city who can make no. their lives yeah. very, no. very difficult. Yeah, you no. get, yeah. yeah. So, they're trying to fly under the radar. Yeah, they're trying yeah. to be under the radar. You know what I'm saying? You coming against me, you on the radar. I'm going to yeah. let everybody know. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And... I do not mind interrupting inner cities where people try to keep people protected. Mm -hmm. I don't mind going to interrupt that. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when I go, I don't just people be like, oh, I just bought the block. I just bought 12 buildings or what? Not like not to say anything wrong with that. You got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. But for me, I think you got to wipe out everything that's going on there and be able to start, you know, um, the type of communities you want. The other thing that's important that's important to me is affordability. So like when my story went viral, people were like, oh, she's building affordable projects. She's building affordable housing. No, I am building economy friendly houses. You know what that means? That means the people that's working at the hospitals in the cafeteria that's making 20 to $30,000 a year. Yep. Now they can buy a house. That's yep. the kind of houses I'm buying. I ain't getting a handout from the government. The government ain't give me not one thing. Mm -hmm. The only time the government reached out to me was to bring me to the White House. That was it. I've never mm -hmm. got a penny from the government. I don't do subsidized, right? Mm -hmm. I, I believe subsidized is needed for individuals who are in very difficult situations. But I also believe that our society has become so lazy and dependent upon the government that they just want to remain in that situation mm -hmm. and call themselves hood rich. Yeah. Well, I don't believe in that. I believe, you know, we all have a chance and opportunity um, to be able to do something with our lives and to have ownership and um, not sit around and complain about, you know, what's not being done for them. And so when I invest into these communities, you know, um, we're looking for acreage, you know, um, to be able to create the type of communities that we want to create, you know, with uh, Madeline Cove, a community that I'm doing right now, you know, um, when I dedicated that street sign to my son, it was very um, important to me, but it was also very emotional for me because at the end of the day, I fulfilled my promise as his mother mm -hmm. up under that bridge. Like I did exactly what I said I was going to do for you, kid. Now the rest is on you, but I did my part, <laughs> you know? Yep, yep. Um, but I think that that's important mm -hmm. to know that as a developer, you going into birth communities, you're birthing life. You, especially if you're in underserved communities, right? Like I got friends that develop, but they high end. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, I even know people out here, they, you know, they buy the block, they develop, they believe the rich need to come back in the, in the poor neighborhoods. And I think that that's a great model for them, right? Mm -hmm. I cater to the everyday working American that makes mm -hmm. 20, 30 and $40,000 a year and can't qualify for a half a million dollars. That's interesting. Um, so some of the projects that you've done or are doing, I don't, I, I don't know uh, what it is, but 
describe them. I mean, how big are they? How many houses are there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, right now, um, I have a pretty extensive portfolio. But what I'll say is, you know, um, Madeline Cove is a mixed youth, mixed youth growth community, one of its kind in the opportunity zone. <clears throat> You know, um, we have residential houses, we have townhouses that's going to be built um, in a year and a half, right? That's phase is, it, two. is everything for sale or is there some uh, built to rent? No. So um, how would I say this nicely? Right. So we want ownership. <laughs> OK. Yeah, we want ownership. Right. Because okay. this this area, what, what we have to understand what you're saying is, is you want ownership for them. Yeah. Them. OK. Yeah. Yep. The reason why I say that is because in these communities, that's what you expect. OK. You expect to rent a house mm-hmm. and to keep it, right? Mm-hmm. And I have over 200 rentals, so I'm not, like, opposed rentals, right? Right, right. There's a place for rentals, right? Mm-hmm. There's also a place for ownership. And so um, we are pretty strict with not allowing, um, you know, renters to come in and just rent Investors or whatever. buy and then yeah, rent. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, right now we're not outselling to anybody. We're yeah. keeping everything. And yeah. we're, we're... Well, that's what I mean. Some, yeah. some communities will uh, either... They don't mm-hmm. care, don't know, but uh, somebody will come in there as an investor, buy it, and then just put it for rent. That's right. So you you police that. Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. Good. Yes. Yeah. All the way from the architectural design, like how the mailbox looks, all that is important for this community because it is a catalyst for other communities around the world. Mm-hmm. So like we got people in Texas right now saying, "Look, we're going to give you all of our adjudicated land, municipalities. We're going to give you all of our adjudicated land. You come do what you're doing in Louisiana here." Right. Atlanta, California, Africa. Like I'm telling you, we've gotten phone calls from all over the world with people wanting us to come and revitalize their inner cities. Because the concept works. Yes, because it works. I mean, so at some point, like I I I mean, your your career in real estate development, uh, I mean, at some point it becomes political, you think? Yeah. For me, yeah, to get into politics. No, I'm not saying it, oh. it already. It already is political at some mm-hmm. point because you're developing property in Lafayette, mm-hmm. right? Lafayette is this big compared to mm-hmm. Houston and and some mm-hmm. other other big cities. Mm-hmm. So you are having to deal with politics to a certain degree right now, like you just said. Mm-hmm. You know, you got a, you got you know the mayor, mm-hmm. uh, those types of of individuals. So at some point, as you continue to grow, you know your vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point it becomes political, mm-hmm. right or wrong? Mm-mm. No, not for me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Not for Just me. A question, yeah. So, so I'll say this. I have a lot of friends that are into uh, the political arena. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just make sure I endorse them. I endorse everybody yeah. on both sides. Right. Yeah. Republican, Democrat, independent. I don't care who you are. Right. Yeah. The reason why I do that is because I don't know who's going to win. Right. Mm-hmm. I know what my core values is. I know what I stand for. I know what I believe. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, that don't necessarily mean I'm going to win. Right. So I got to make sure I got friends in high places sides. at all times. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And it's not, oh, she playing both sides. No, I'm not going to pick no side. If anybody who knows Terrical and Smith knows one thing for sure. I am just me unapologetically. I ain't going to hide nothing from yep. you. I'm going to tell you, like, you asked me, did I say this? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get, like, um, most of the people that are in real estate, can become selfish to a certain degree. Like you want it all, right? Mm-hmm. You want to own everything. So Terika, what uh what I get out of your ventures and, and everything that you want to do is a lot of selflessness. I feel like you're genuinely doing these things to help a community and other communities. Yes. Good. good. And my generation. Exactly. Good. Yes. 
Well, how'd you uh, how'd you meet Eric Thomas? So I met E um, through a program that he have. Um, actually, I was terrified of public speaking, and oh, I so, knew- so you was one of the few people that was picked in his in his program. No, nah, he have a program called Game Changers, right, mm-hmm. where um, he teach you how to speak publicly. Uh-oh. And so him and CJ and Cantus and Val and all of them worked mm-hmm. really hard to get me to the point where I'm confident about sharing my story. Like, I couldn't talk about being sexually abused at five without crying, mm-hmm. right? And that happened in 2018 that I started being able to speak publicly about what took place with me. I had wondered how you were going to get through that. Yeah. How'd you meet uh, David Shans? David Shans was um, also a part, part of, the, of program. the program as yeah. well. And he, um, I mean, we just connected. At first, I didn't really care for Shans because he was like, you know, if you ain't charging people, then you're a nonprofit or something like that. I can't remember <laughs> how he said it. And then now it's like, you know, he's my brother. You know, we do real estate in real life, you know. Okay, I, got, cool. I got like five little things. I want you to pick one. All right, let's go. So uh, rental, rental property or flip? Rental. Land or house? Land. Section 8 or regular tenant? Section 8. Money or equity? Equity. Eric Thomas or Shan? Both. <laughs> <laughs> he, tried to, he tried to set you up. He tried to set you up. Oh, my goodness. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> that was a good one at the end, though. That was a good one at the end. Y'all say that one. That he like tried that. to set you up. Yeah, that was a good one at the end. So, on top of all that stuff, you're a public speaker, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you're a public speaker. You sell a board game. Mm-hmm. I created a board game. She created a board game that teaches teaches them how to create generational wealth through real estate development. Oh, so I need to buy it then. Yep. So, <laughs> and and there's one more thing. What was it? My course, Invest You course. That's right. The and course is called Invest You because you have to invest yourself first. I didn't invest in myself. I was homeless, and I had on another man legacy. No, no offense to him, mm. but I know I got to invest myself first. And so. Give us this basics of what that course does. T- so you. Um, Invest You course teaches you all the way from saying you don't have no money, how I used to be. So I help you find money in the first half of the course with literally what you make right now. And then you have to go on punishment for a certain period of time in the course. Right. Mm-hmm. I put you on punishment. And then once you come off of punishment, then you start making investments into real estate. And then I teach you the different industries of real estate investing. Awesome. So very simple. Yeah, nobody nobody needs to go anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Excellent, excellent. So um again, you are Terrica Lynn Smith. Yeah. Googleable. Yeah. I can Google Terrica. Yeah, you can Google. Um, yeah, I would think so. Yeah. You're the only female So I'm the first African American female developer in the state of Louisiana that developed a mixed use community. All right. Cool. Congratulations. Thank you. I didn't know who you were until today. That's okay. <laughs> now I know. I know you very well. I feel like I met you 10 years ago. <laughs> so uh, we're going to wrap the show up. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed I uh, having Terrica here. I, I, I learned a lot. I, I, you know, you've gone through ups and downs, and mm-hmm. I believe you are an asset to any community. Thank you. That you go to. And uh, can I say one more thing? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that I want to tell people that's watching is this, right? Wealth does not come overnight. So you watching this podcast and it may seem like, you know, things can happen very fast, but the transfer of wealth is from the impatient to the patient. And always remember poor people buy liabilities that are rich people assets. Thank you. I don't think there's a better way to end that. That was perfect. We'll catch you on the next episode, guys. We're out.